All right, we're here about another hour and 20 or so from Chartway Arena before we uh, hand it over to the Toyota pregame show. Ted Alexander and Dennis Wolf joining me right now. You'll see him and hear him tonight on ESPN Plus and myself. Uh, he is Billy Mann, former Old Dominion standout and now uh, well, being shown in the pictures. He did radio forever here <laughs> and now doing the, doing the digital games the last few years. Good to have you on. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I don't know how that worked out. I mean, that I was here for so long, maybe <laughs> I was the only guy that didn't leave the city, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I say you're the mayor of ODU <laughs> basketball because uh, everybody always comes by and greets you, every, and you greet everybody here when we're out here for these games. So, uh, And I believe that. So tonight, um, you know, a very good App State team comes in here. I mean, what are they, 22-5? and five? I think it's 12 of their last 14 they've won. They've had an amazing season. We saw them last year. Yeah, they were kind of a grinded out, you know, rock paper, rock rock fight kind of team, right? And this year, they seem to be able to win in multiple different styles. Well, this is the type of team that come time tournament time, nobody wants to face a team like this. I mean, they're very deep, and I mean, when I say deep, that's you know, obviously one of their assets. They can go nine deep, and all these guys can contribute. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we've seen some close games recently, like a lot of them, but not wins. We're talking about this ODU team. The four last four losses, matter of fact, have been by a grand total of 17 points. I mean, all your years around watching, I mean, this this team, you can't knock the effort, but, man, it's just a couple things here and there every night that gets them. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's comparable to, and, you you know, you do a lot of sports. Yep. Um, you know, you, you ever see a team, it's like a, a football team, it's like they miss a frail goal, it's like three points, and it's like they were just there. And they've had several games, and you you go back and you say, "Gosh, if we had made this field goal," or and it, it, the same thing for yeah. ODU. It's just like if they had made this pass, made this stop, you know, the outcome hit that free throw. The outcome could have been different, you know. Yeah, it's been a lot of that right uh, this year, and it's um, you know to the credit of the players and the coaches, they they keep coming out right. Like it's still the effort's been there, but just just not execute executing and not really learning from some the past mistakes either which is and, tough. Yeah, and that's the, that's the part. I mean, yep. you know, and it was kind of having it interrupted too by departure of some players. Yep. And then, you know, the main guy, uh coach, um, you know, he's not there. And so, you know, it was kind of they had to recreate themselves in a sense and had to do that. But, you know, as you said, they've come out, they've competed um, a lot of close games. I mean, a lot of times people don't leave the arena until the last buzzer because they don't know the outcome or what that's going to be. Yeah, tonight, again, huge challenge with App State, the final home game on Saturday with uh, Coastal Carolina in here as well. But uh, as you look at uh, you know some of, the, some of the individual things that have gone on here, you know, you try to look at – try to find some positives out of a season like this, I suppose. And, you know, I thought freshman Danny Pounds over these last couple games, you know, after kind of sitting down for a bit, uh, the one game where, you know, suddenly he, w- he wasn't starting for a few games and actually had a DNP has come back and really kind of charged these guys up a little bit when he comes in. Definitely a positive. Um, and, he's, you know, he's a strong player. And you can see uh, the long haul. You said, okay, he, he has some things he can develop, can work on. Uh, with him, it's more of a mental thing. And, you, you know, you're going from playing uh, high school or even JUCO and you step up a level – you know, you realize there are some other things you have to do and work on to become a better player. So I, I am uh, certainly looking forward to see his growth and his development, and he's a bright spot. Yeah, and, you know, the, the other guy, and we talk about him a ton during the broadcast. He's 
probably, you know, it probably comes off like, you know, he's one of our favorite guys because he is. Uh, Jason Wade, who we've obviously seen here a long time, and this is, you know, coming down the home stretch, literally. I mean, Saturday will be senior night for him. And you just think about the career he was on the team that obviously won Conference USA, went, went to the NCAA tournament. But all the injuries he went through, and the, the mental and physical toll that took on him to see him play this season, it, it has been in a season that has had not had a lot of highlights. It's been it's certainly something that's made you feel good. Well, you know, for him and for Jason, it, it has been a pleasure to see him bounce back. He's had some serious injuries that very few f- players can even come back from. So that's number one. The other part is, of course, you throw COVID in, and yeah. uh, are you sure he's going to leave? Because I mean, this has what been six years. I think it, so. He's played in four seasons, okay. You know, and he had the two that he was out with injury. So I think it right. is, yeah. 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 I guess you could appeal, but unfortunately, ODU does not seem to have a lot of luck with that, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're the snake bit school when it comes to that's true. Uh, these appeals, that's but true. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll ask him. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not pushing him out, but I do know they're going to celebrate him on Saturday. Yes, yeah, and they should. I mean, yeah. it's certainly he. He's a throwback type of player. Yeah. Uh, he can do so many different things. I mean, he's a good passer. He's a good defender. He can guard three or four positions on the floor. Um, unfortunately, I think sometimes when – and he's one of the old guards. You know, he's one of yeah. the old guys. So, an old guy telling a young guy, hey, this is what you need to do. It's kind of difficult sometimes for the young guys to grasp what he's saying. Yeah, no doubt. All right, I want to ask you a big picture uh, question. I mean, what – App, which is wild, because we've seen Madison three times against against ODU. We, we both think they're really good. We've seen them twice in here. Uh, might be the second best team outside of Princeton that we've seen in person. I would say, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Princeton was sick. They were clinical, right? But the in terms of teams that come through Chartway this year, but yet App beat them twice. You know that's a, amazing. And I was thinking that coming over here, I was like, you know, looked at the teams that we've played, and I thought that you know, out of the box, obviously. James Madison just jumped on sure. everybody, you know. I, you know, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, State yeah. and then right after that, the Kent they had State that, comeback was incredible. and that was incredible. Yeah, and I was like, for a four-hour league, you know, these guys are going to be standard. But App State has proven me wrong <laughs> very early. So I mean, again, credit and hats off to these guys for being able to put together the team that they have and sustain it across the entire season. They've been in some close games, but. Like I said, they've been able to pull off a few close games too. All right, so the idea, you know, this conference is in a weird, is, is going to, you know, is positioned to be a one bid team. But what would be interesting is if Madison were to take it to a third meeting against App State and lose in the finals, they would have probably thirty wins at that point, and they have a strong net rating. Um, I don't know if there's ever been a team with that many wins, and since we're in this net world, and we'll probably be. Low enough in the net that would could get stop, you know, could just get thrown to the side. But I, you know, I guess anything's possible, and we're going to have, you know, all the big conferences politicking and complaining as well. But it would be an interesting experiment if there is a chance for the Sun Belt to get two teams. I, I kind of foresee that as the only real chance. Yeah, and you know that's unfortunate for the mid majors. I mean, yeah. you, you've, we have seen it. I, I guess I would have to say I remember when George Mason had that run. Mm-hmm. And they actually lost to Hofstra, right. That was in the CAA, yeah. yeah and they yep. lost to Hofstra yep. maybe twice yep. in maybe a five-year period. They still were able to get in, yep. uh, but I'm, I'm sure that took some negotiation and politicking <laughs> inside. But there's so much parity in the country amongst basketball, which I love to see. So the notion that they can. Uh, ho- hopefully, logistically, add more teams to the tournament, if you will. Yeah, uh, I think it would be a good thing. 
So we're at 68 now. There's always been this idea the number was 96. And when it was brought up like a decade ago, I think a lot of us were like, oh, no, God, don't mess with our tournament bracket. It looks so nice on the piece of paper. We then have to go to a legal sheet of paper. And nobody wants to go to a poster paper. But, you know, maybe that's what we have to do now because there is, you know, as I tell people all the time, do you understand how many there's like 360-plus yes. teams playing Division One ball now. It's a lot different. So right now I think the number is like 19% of the teams make the NCAA tournament. And that's not a high rate compared to football, which is, oh, my goodness, is a, is a much higher rate now with 43 bowl games and 143 t- or 34 teams. Yeah, you know, um, and I, I guess I've been around too long. So I remember, uh, <laughs> you know, Old Dominion was really just getting their teeth in the Division One scene. Yeah. And I, and I guess the first time when we actually made the NCAA and got a bid, because the first year we played uh, at NIT, got three, you know, we got three goals, and then we got the NCAA automatic bid to the ECAC. I think there were only 48 teams at that point. So you yeah. can imagine – you know, going to the next, you said 64. Yeah. Now going from 64 to. Well, there's 68 now and then going to like 96, yeah, yeah, potentially. And you could knock it out with just one extra week, weekend. And, and even you could do it with those teams being like all in Dayton, right? Like here, these teams like there's the Dayton pod or something or two different places. Like right. some are in Dayton and some are some other place. You know what I mean? And then to play themselves into the field of 64, kind of like we're doing with the, with the playing, you know, kind of thing. Or, I'm sorry, the first four. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but I, I, yeah. just to your question, yeah. I think it's time. It's, it's yeah. long overdue. Yeah. The teams deserve it. The schools deserve it. Uh, and definitely, you know, the, the players deserve uh, that opportunity. And I think when you talk about madness, they're going to have to change the name probably from Martin, March Madness to something else because it's going to be a wild ride. Well, the, in, in the other happens. And the other part of it is, of course, more money, which, which they, all, they all love. Which well, they all love. Well, you all know that uh, that's the driver, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's why this football thing's, you know, like, oh, wait, we're in the about to start a 12 team. Well, let's shoot a 16 team or 14 team here in a few years, you know. They're already thinking ahead to, they haven't even started the, the 12 team system. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting, but it is really, um, you know, I, I was one of the people six, seven years ago, and somebody bring this up, I'm like, oh, get out of here. That's terrible. That's too much. But now you look at it, 362 teams, that's, it's a different world. And now with these bigger, we're about to live in these world where the Big Ten is, you know, 18 teams or whatever, Big 12 is 16, and, you know, the ACC is going to be much bigger and you're going to lose the Pac-12 and, you know, you know all these conferences are going to be so much larger, SEC as well. You know, you're probably going to need that as, you know, to also protect the big schools, and that's what's going to be the driver, right, to protect well, uh, the bigger the bigger conferences. I, I think you need to be in the room with them when they're talking about it because, you know, that, that's the thing that they probably will not want to talk about. And but you know that they, they have to spread the wealth uh, amongst everyone. Yeah. And you like you said the, the bigger teams, you know, of course, you know they're gonna be lobbying for yep. more teams in their league to go. And you know, I, but I, I think the, you make a very valid point: the fact that uh, the bigger teams and the money drives it. What would be cool is actually if they played some of those early games on campus before going to you know the regions. I don't know if they'd ever get, think about doing that. You know, obviously that's what they do with the NIT. But that would be kind of cool, too, with some of those teams that are like, you know, the latter part of the – if you do a 96-team field. Would you do neutral court or would you do uh, – Like, you know, like the home school. Like, if you yeah. had the higher-seated team would have the and home you court. you get the home court. Yeah, yeah, until you get to what is now the traditional side of the size of the tournament, until we get to that 68 number maybe, you know, or 60, 60 number or whatever it is when we go into that weekend. I like that. I like, I, I like that idea. I don't know. They need, you, they need you in a room on that. I know. I got these great <laughs> ideas that nobody cares about. Uh, until they get to the 64, I mean. All right. 
Well, I will. Uh, I'll see you in a little bit. We'll do some uh, television tonight. Hopefully, hopefully a uh, hopefully we'll shock the Sun Belt tonight. See something good. Hey, it's a season within the season. This is a lot apart. Obviously, Old Dominion has nothing to lose. Yeah, I mean they they, they lay it all yeah. out, and you never know in a, in a game like this. Uh, apps they could come in a little flat, not really realizing where they are. Uh, I mean, of course, their coach is going to do all he can to not let his team uh, get down, but. I mean, that's why you have to play the game anyway. Absolutely. Uh, Matt Present, who uh, does the App State game, is going to join us uh, for their radio coming up later this hour. Billy, man, thank you, buddy. Good seeing you. Thanks, man. It's been fun doing Appreciate the games, it. as always, again this year with you. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back uh, on the other side, uh, get to some more. Um, before we get to uh, Matt Present on App State, we'll talk uh, college football playoff expansion with him and the NCAA expansion as well. Scott Jackson, show priority on the sports radio. 94.1, we are brought to you by Larry King Law. The Scott Jackson Show will return after this timeout on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. All right, we are uh, brought to you by Larry King Law, injured in an accident. Call 757-INJURED, 757-I-N-J-U-R-E-D. As we come to you live from Chartway Arena, we'll talk uh, to the voice of App State, Matt Present, uh, a little bit later in the hour and um, get into a lot of things in college Sports besides just what App's been doing this year, which has been impressive in basketball. You know, again, just to get, it's always good to talk to people from uh, other schools' perspective on where we're headed, right? Like where this whole thing's headed with expansion, uh, playoffs. Uh, you know, the the whatever the, is on the other side in terms of are these athletes going to eventually be employees? Are they going to be you know semi-pro essentially? <laughs> I mean, it's you know di- different days ahead, and what works obviously. For the big schools, it doesn't always work for the middle-sized schools or the, even the smaller schools, needless to say. And that's the trick of all this stuff because there's a lot of people involved here um, when, you, when you talk about making these major changes in this uh, ever-changing world that we're in at this point when it comes to the college games. There's got to be a solution out there. I, I, just, I've, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you've almost got to break it down by sport or you, or you look at certain schools and you say, okay, what – is it that this school is best? What is the sport that is there? Is there like tier one sport? Yeah. And, and move from there. Like you look at a school like I think it's like Dallas Baptist. Right. It's a great <laughs> baseball school, but I right. have no idea if they have football. Right. So obviously a tier one for them yeah. would be college baseball. Sure. And then you work backwards. But if you're looking at a school like an Old Dominion, would Old Dominion be considered tier one football, basketball, women's basketball? What, what is the tier right. one sport? for Old Dominion and so on and so forth, because that's not always that clear for a lot of schools. That's not just exclusive to Old Dominion. Well, we had this conversation, what, two months ago, and they're talking about, like, salaries or whatever for every – not just basketball and football. It's, like, for everybody because you'd have to do it – because, again, there's Title Nine issues here, right? You'd have to do it for, for all sports involved and what that would cost uh, the school. And you talk about, you know, what it would cost to, you know, do that with all your scholarship players to have them on, you know, a, a basic salary – and you know, can can you afford it? And, and who would who would opt in for it? Who would not opt in? And would everybody necessarily in conferences we could we think are big conferences opt into it? They may not, and that would be that's weird. true. Yeah. Then what happens, right? You know, then then what do you do if that's the case? If you've got not every school opted in, it seems like oh, it's a no brainer. Of course, all the SEC schools would do it, and the and the big the big schools. But yeah, there's some that may not. You know, some that may not be as comfortable doing it. So. And if you don't opt in, is that a red flag to potential recruits right. or transfers right. and things like that? So exactly. So that's what would be, um, 
you know, the, the interesting part of all this stuff as we, as we move forward, if, if they go to that, who knows where they're going to end up. And a lot of this will be litigated, unfortunately, which is never fun. I mean, like, honestly, I mean, we were talking about this yeah. during college football season with all the lawyers when it was with, with James Madison and then it was with, you know, with the, with the lawyers when we were talking about Michigan. I mean, it's just that's not fun for anybody. Like, nobody wants to hear about the lawyers and the – you know, the attorney general being involved. I was going to say, I'll do you yeah, one better. Yeah. This is going to get political. Yeah. At Uh-oh. some point, this yeah. is going to end up in, like, Congress yeah. or the oh, Senate yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be hearings. It's going to no, be on no. C-SPAN. It's going to be nuts. Yeah, we don't want it on C-SPAN uh, for sure. I don't even know. Do I get C-SPAN? I don't, I don't feel like I do. I think do. you do. I probably do, but I <laughs> You've never, never put your television on I just on run it, by it. But like you have sprint it. by it. I absolutely sprint by <laughs> it when I get the chance. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. 757-687-9494. 757-687. Uh, six eight seven ninety four ninety four. Uh, Matt President's going to join us coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour. If we get to the update uh, as well, I want to get to these college football playoff numbers because I want to bounce this off Matt when he joins us too. Right now, our uh, poll question of the day again brought to you by uh, Dominion Floor Coverings. In regards to how big this uh, college football playoff could go, because again, we just literally yesterday heard, "Hey, they're agreeing to go to twelve. It's official, official." And then there's like, "Oh yeah, and by the way, they're also talking about." Going to fourteen and twenty, you know, twenty six. So we put it out to the fans here. Uh, what uh, what's the right number? Twelve teams right now ruling the day. Fifty six point nine percent of you um, are voting on that. Twenty three point one are saying sixteen teams, uh, and fourteen teams just getting a three point one percent push here at this point. So, and again, have at it at Jackson Sports on the X. That's how you can reach me at ESPN Radio 941 as well. And, again, the poll question of the day brought to you by Dominion Floor Coverings. And we'll have another one tomorrow. We'll have another one of these polls tomorrow as well. I don't know what it will be about, but we'll have it. Hey, by the way, uh, did you see this story? In the, you know, NFL Combine starts next week. The Los Angeles Rams are going to keep their streak alive of not going. So they haven't been um, to a Combine since 2020, and – they actually have a first pick. They have not attended since 2019. Excuse me. They actually have a first round pick this year because remember they didn't have picks. Yeah, because they a while. were the you know you know what them picks team for a while, yep. right? Yep. They didn't care about your picks. They had a credit card and they were charging that sucker up, <laughs> and they were going to a Super Bowl and they did it. So now the Rams actually have credit, you know, have uh, draft picks again, but yet they do not have uh, apparently a room in the combine. And Los Angeles Rams will not show up. Um, clubs. You know, they feel like you can get an up-close look at the prospects on your own time now, right, with pro days and all these other things. You have these official visits with players as well. But this is where everybody's, you know, brought in like, you know, kind of like a cattle, a cattle call in a sense, right, all in one place, and you can do it there and you get your allotted amount of time with players where you can at least start the getting-to-know-you process. So fascinating to see that the Rams are, are deciding against that once again. I think maybe they just didn't have room for them. Like, they're so used to them not going. They're like, wait, wait, wait a minute. You guys need a room now? I'm sorry. We don't have any available. So they just assumed that the Rams were going to be showing up. And the Rams were like, all right, I guess we won't go then. So the Rams director of draft management is a guy named J.W. Jordan, told The Athletic, does it matter whether a receiver runs a 4.48 uh, or a 4.56? That's where we use the tape, GPS, all that information, the data you have on them. Does the 40 really and truly matter? No. Uh, the Rams say they put more stock in how players run in live action. Okay, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, and they did this, they said, when they scouted Cooper Cup, tracked him with the GPS at the Senior Bowl. Meanwhile, the short interview process during the combine is another detractor for the Rams. 
which accumulates, uh, which culminates rather in another year that they'll be doing their draft homework from home. So apparently they don't, they're not impressed with that either. They don't think it's enough time. They would rather do it, um, you know, one-on-one and I guess throughout the processes of the senior bowls and these other things. I mean, are they saying what we're all thinking? Maybe. That the combine's kind of bogus? Yeah. It is a dog and pony show. I mean, and it has now become a made-for-TV show. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, one of my uh, good friends uh, likes to call it the Underwear Olympics, and I, b- I believe that's a really uh, good way to put it. It is the Underwear Olympics for sure. All right, 757-687-9494, It's calls. That's texts. Get in that way. And we got about a little less than an hour to go. We'll get an update from James. And on the other side, uh, Matt Preston will join us talking about the season app State's putting together. Get his thoughts on the expanding world of college football postseason and basketball as well. Scott Jackson, Chair Priority on the Sports Radio 94.1. We're brought to you by Larry King, Law James with him, Scott, your Sports Center. You are listening to The Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here at uh, Chartway Arena, App State, Old Dominion, uh, pregame show, Ted Alexander, Twitter pregame, and Dennis Wolf at 6.30 tonight. We're here till then with you. And Matt Present, the voice of Appalachian State basketball, uh, good enough to stop by, good D.C. guy as well. So what's happening, man? How you doing? I'm good. It's been a fun ride. Thanks for having me. Uh, awesome to have you here. Um, I know last season when you guys were here, uh, Lefty Drizel was at your shoot-around, right? And um, obviously we love Lefty died over the weekend, a legend, of course, grew up in this area. Uh, you, you probably remember him from his Maryland days, uh, like I do, growing up in the D.C. area and Madison as well. But um, what, last year there was a connection, right? His grandson was on this staff, who is now no longer on your staff, correct? Yeah, so his grandson, Patrick Moynihan, was an assistant coach at App State, previously with this staff at Presbyterian, but he actually got a job this offseason. So he's at Spartanburg Methodist now, but certainly a, a fond memory here last year, getting to meet Lefty for the first time. And I'll tell you, the, the thing that stuck out to me most from that conversation was asked him about how he recruited, and he so, like, matter-of-factly was like, oh, well, they just would send out the almanac in the mail. <laughs> uh, you know, because like, how else would you recruit back then right, if right. not, you know, getting right. it? Uh, a nationally yep. distributed publication of the top guys in each state. So that, that'll always stick with me. But, yes, yeah, certainly a, a, a sad time to be a Maryland alum and know about the, the impact and legacy that he's left on that program, but also very grateful that I got to meet him. Yeah, that was really cool to see him out here at that shoot-around last year. All right, let's, let's get to your – this season's been incredible. I mean, you had a good team last year, uh, a very defensive team last year. What I, what's blowing me away about App State this year, looking at your numbers, you know, again, 22-5 and five for those that are unaware and obviously leading this conference uh, after knocking out James Madison twice. But it's, it's the fact that this team is scoring at the level they're scoring this year. What, what, has, what has changed there? Because obviously there's a lot of the same guys here uh, with a few additions. Yeah, I mean, to to your point, the new additions have been really big. Miles Tate, a Butler transfers, come in, and he's not a guy that's in the starting lineup, but he plays starter minutes, and he has a big impact. He's had a lot of signature moments late in games. And then Trayvon Spillers is a, a big guy who's been pivotal this season, averaging close to a double-double. He's on the Lou Henson mid-major uh, award watch list. So those two guys have been big, but... I think to your point, having those guys around a core returning group and just having a ton of depth. Last game, Jordan Marsh came off the bench and scored 23 points. He was the seventh different player this year to have a 20-point game. And wow. There's not many teams in college basketball yeah. that have the kind of depth to be able to do that. The other thing, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before we got on about 
Last year and in years past, App State's been a very defensive-minded team, and they'd play a lot of games in the you know low 60s. And while they're still very defensive-minded, leading the uh, leading all of college basketball in block shots, top 10 in field goal defense, their ability to get up and down is much greater. And because of that depth, they can get out and run a lot more in transition. And so I think the amount of scoring they do inside and in transition is kind of that uptick in scoring overall. So App from here goes to Marshall. You know, we were talking about this off the air. You know, it, like when ODU came to this conference after being a Conference USA, this is a, it's a no-brainer, much better travel. But then every once in a while I remember that there are people that maybe don't aren't as fortunate. I think about Marshall. Every time I talk to Samir Marshall, they tell me some miserable stories, although they do charter most basketball events. But for you guys, I mean, there's not really, you know, a, a, like a neighbor. Like, it, you know, there's a, it's not a bad drive here, you know, obviously to get to Harrisonburg, right, for, for uh, ODU. Uh, and vice versa. But you guys really don't have that, uh, you know, it's at least a five-hour car ride. So how, how do you think overall that this newfound, bigger Sun Belt has worked out for App State? I think it's good, actually. I think that, yeah, we don't have an next-door neighbor, per se. Yeah. Um, prior to Old Dominion and, and the rest of the conference expanding, there were travel partners from a scheduling perspective. Right. So us in Coastal Carolina were travel partners in that iteration of the conference. But to your point, like, yeah, there's no one that's an hour and a half down the road. Like, Wake Forest isn't in the same conference. Sure. But at the same time, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, Coastal, JMU, ODU, Marshall, all in the same division and the side of the conference and all within six hours. And so I think from a recruiting perspective, to be able to go out and, and tell guys who are from the – charlotte or north carolina area like hey you know not only can you come up to app and watch your sons and daughters play but you've got six other schools that you're going to be playing regularly that are all within driving distance and so yeah i mean there's some long bus rides but i do think especially i, I mean i know you're talking about expanded playoff conference yeah, realignment yeah. and stuff you're not going out to the west coast to play conference right. games no no doubt that's that's the good news so Talking about the tournament, potentially the NCAA tournament getting bigger. This is kind of the the secondary story to the college football playoff, which just got approved to go to 12, and they're even already looking ahead to the 14 potentially in 2026. But I want to ask you from the college basketball standpoint, because you know what goes on, and I've talked to I think almost every coach in this conference this year that's come through here, how frustrated they are. They feel like the Sun Belt's competitive. We see it. You see it. You've been in the league a lot longer than I have going around, seeing how close a lot of these games are no matter what somebody's net rating is and all this other stuff or overall record. And But yet it is always comes back to the net, right? Like, okay, this is a one is perceived as a one-bid league no matter what. Although I think there's a map to Madison getting at large here if, if they were to get into the finals again in the tournament and, and lose to App State for a third time. I know Madison fans don't want to hear that, but I think at 30 wins at that point, I think you're, you're, uh, I think you're a at-large team. But anyway, the idea of going to a bigger tournament, 96, I know a lot of the fears is, okay, if you do that, you're just going to be you know, helping the big guys. But I think for a conference like the Sun Belt and some of these other mid-majors that are kind of getting overlooked that aren't named the Mountain West, I think it could be a good thing too. Yeah, I can't say I've, I've thought a whole lot about a 96-team tournament field, but I'll touch on a couple other things you mentioned. One is the strength of the Sun Belt. I think last year the conference as a whole was actually stronger than it is this year. I think this year – App State, James Madison, and even you can lump Troy into the conversation. Yeah. It's really top-heavy. 
the bottom of this league, and I had a conversation with Keith Gill uh, when he was at App State for the App State JMU game uh, a few weeks ago, the bottom of this league has to rise to be able to give it the credibility of being a multi-bit conference. And so I think that's the trajectory in order uh, for this league to move forward and to be a multi-bit league. Um, so certainly there is strength at the top. I don't know if it's you know top to bottom heavy. I think the big tragedy isn't whether it's a 64, 68, 96. Yeah. It's the fact that the NIT this year oh, decided to scrap an automatic bid for regular That's season conference winners. And so you have not just the Sun Belt, but you have mid-major um, conferences across the nation who previously kind of had this safety net of, okay, the best team in the regular season, even if you don't run the table and win three games in three days or four games in four days, you're guaranteed a spot yep. in the postseason tournament. And I don't feel like I have a great read on it right now to say, was the legislati legislation of let's get rid of this automatic qualifier, was that to avoid having to put in the weakest of the weak mid-major teams, or is it just going to be a Power 5 tournament? I, I don't know yet. I feel like it's a Power 5 tournament. It now. might be, and yeah. I don't really know what the intrigue is. I don't know yeah. what the draw is, if that's the case, other than bigger TV markets, perhaps. But to me, that's... You know, that's really disappointing, especially sure. if you're in an App State's position where you're winning your league and you have a, an opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament if you run the table. And then if you don't, it's like, boy, where does that leave us? Um, and certainly, you know, we hope we don't cross that bridge, but it's certainly a possibility at the same time. But I don't know. I, I just hope uh, I guess the other thing I touch on is is the net. Like, I think yeah. from a metrics perspective, it's a really valuable tool to be able to measure one team against another in terms of offensive efficiency or defensive efficiency. But at the same time, the quad system, like let's talk about quad winning percentage and not just yeah. quad wins. I think last year people were like touting that Illinois had five quad one wins. Yeah, but they were five and 12. And San Francisco, <laughs> right. San Francisco was three and oh. Yeah. So why is one better than the other? Because they had so many more opportunities. Um, right. So I, I think if we go to a quad winning percentage instead of just looking at quad one wins and ignoring the plethora of quad one losses for some of these really good teams, maybe we're in a, a more equitable spot. That's a great point. Matt Present, voice of uh, the Mountaineers of Appalachian State. Good enough to give us some time here on the show as we come to you live from Chartway Arena here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. All right, for, for you, you kept the – did you have any big transfers last year this, off this team? Or was it you no. kept the core? So yeah. that's important, obviously, for any mid-major school. You see that with Madison as well. They kept their core. As you guys go through this, and, and it feels like everybody's learning at the same time, how much of a, of a, of a uh, thing is you know, collective money, you know, NIL money at, at App State right now, trying to kind of build up that part of, uh, of the athletic uh, funding when, you, when you're talking about you know, the university and what, what entails football, obviously, and basketball the most? Yeah, I mean, we have a collective. It's something that we have focused on trying to go down that road. Um, it's something where we've encouraged local businesses to partner with our student-athletes. How, how does that compare to some of the top, top programs sure. across the nation? I mean, it, it probably is not in the same stratosphere of what, you know, some – six- and seven-figure payouts are going to, let's right. say, the best quarterback in the country. But I do think it's it's valuable to be able to say that you're in that collective space, you're in that NIL space. And, you know, in that 
on the other hand, I'm kind of interested just to, as a fan and an observer, like at what point does the pendulum swing back the other way? And I'm not talking yep. about App State in particular. I'm not talking about anyone in particular. Sure. But there's so many athletes commanding so much money, and it's like, okay, what what is that value then tied to? Like if you go out and you don't perform, you're not giving any money back, right? Yep. Because allegedly this none of this is tied to play on the field. Right. Right. And so at what point are these individuals who – maybe aren't the richest of rich who can just give away as much money as they so please. Maybe that kind of second tier of individuals or companies or collectives or whoever are not getting the return on their investment that they envisioned. At what point does the pendulum swing back? Um, I saw a tweet recently about a, a third-string running back asking for six figures, yes. and it's like, <laughs> like when are we going right. to have a reality check here? And Again, I am pro-player. I'm pro-business in yeah. terms of having an equitable distribution of what these guys are bringing in for universities. But I, I just think what's lost in all of it is the ability to identify what that return on investment is for either side. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm pro all that. But what I'm also more pro than, than maybe some, and this doesn't get talked about enough, I'm pro, like, quality of uh, the product. And I think the product, you know, in, in college men's basketball in particular is not what it used to be. And you know, well, who's college, a household name in men's right, college basketball right there now? There isn't. Yeah, exactly. And then you know, in, in, in college football too. I mean, we're going to go to twelve teams, but let's be honest, there was really three teams that you could really trust to win the national championship this year uh, in college football. So anyway, I, I, that's what my my concern is: if the product isn't as good, and what are you exactly paying for? Uh, at that point, that's what concerns me, and I, and I think all the movement doesn't improve the product. I think continuity improves products, you know, co you know, chemistry, these kind of things, team-building things that nobody really seems to be as concerned about anymore. Well, do you think the expanded playoffs will create a greater depth of talent between teams? I think that's what I'm trying to I wrestle so. with. Yeah, but I, I don't, I'm so not sure too. it will, though. I think the first year it's going to look pretty I think the first, some of these first early round games are going to be like, oh, why? You know? Well, yeah, and I mean, I think that's kind of been my position previously of like, we didn't need a fourth team most years. Like, <laughs> right, now you're right. telling me we need eight or 12? Yeah, and yeah. I, I think certainly the hope is that the talent is now dispersed amongst a greater number of teams, given that more teams can argue that they have a chance to get a seat at the table. But if that doesn't happen, and now we have a 12-team playoff, and all of a sudden, still it's only three really good teams and then the rest of the pack, like, again, to your point, is the product any better? Yeah, and I'm not and – and I, and I know the answer. That, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not from the, the basketball we grew up watching in college, college, clearly. All right, Matt President, I know you got work to do. Uh, Appalachian State voice uh, tonight. Uh, obviously, ODU and App State starts at 6.30 on our pregame show. Are you guys going 6.30 as well? We are. For our App fans out there, uh, they probably know where to find you. Uh, that's coming up as well. All right, appreciate you stopping by. Good luck the rest of the season. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right, Matt President with us here, Scott Sure, we'll take a timeout. We're live at Chartway Arena here. Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. This is the Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. All right, we are uh, brought to you by Larry King Law. Injured in an accident, call 757-INJURED, 757-INJURED. Thanks to uh, Matt Present from App State for stopping on by. Billy Mann earlier uh, this hour as well. We're here till I don't know, like 625-ish before we hand it over to uh, Ted Alexander and Dennis Wolf with the Toyota pregame show uh, coming up Old Dominion and Appalachian State tonight here from uh, Chartway Arena. Final Thursday night home game. Saturday will be the final home game when they uh, take on 
the um, Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Chanticleers. Yeah, you, know, you always have to sound just a, a little bit pretentious. I, I yeah, absolutely can't say Chanticleers. You, you can't you say, have to say it normally. Chanticleers. Chanticleers. You have to say it really loud. It's not good for a guy like me. It's it's hard to say it pretentiously because that's really not my not my angle. But anyway, I'll have to work on it because I have to say it a lot on Saturday. But um, let's get to uh, th- this thing. We'd mentioned some of this stuff earlier about uh, the scouting combine and everything. But tonight, of course. Um, You've got uh, the NBA coming back from their uh, little sabbatical from the All-Star break. The All-Star break, by the way, is it my, my imagination or does it just get longer each year? Is it, is it, am, I, am I accurate saying that? Like the All-Star break just keeps extending? Oh, it extending, absolutely extending. does. Yeah. I, I could have sworn they were already back. Then I was like, no, wait a minute. They haven't no. played any games yet. No, tonight they're back finally for the NBA All-Star break, which, again, they were in Indianapolis. It wasn't like they play overseas or something. It's not like they're going to London for the All-Star break. But anyway, All-Star break's back. I heard that uh, your guy LeBron James is out tonight. But uh, <laughs> tonight uh, the All-Star break activity returns. You know, I'm, the team I really want to see in the second half because there's been so much noise about them, and I guess maybe it's a time off. They're an easy team to talk about is the Bucks, right? Like oh, yeah. all this Bucks drama, and I'm not even sure it, it's real drama or not, but we'll find out when they actually take the court again. And it's not like they're fighting to get into the play-in game or something. They're, you know, they're, they're still having a good year, just not the year we thought they could have at this point, and it's far from over. I mean, the post-All-Star schedule is when teams actually start to give a darn. So I think we got some time, but we won't, have, we won't get to see them until uh, tomorrow night when they're back in action in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. But that, that's a team that I, I just fascinated to see. And, again, Doc Rivers, I, I, you know, I know there's kind of a mixed, a mixed emotions about him. And it was weird that he was the consultant for them trying to help Adrian Griffin, but yet he gets his job, right? Like, and he made – I don't know. Somebody said to me this week, do you think he's talking too much about all this stuff? I said yes and no, because if he doesn't answer it, then people will think, oh, he sabotaged this guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, so you kind of have to say something. I, I get it. And I actually didn't think when he made the comment about guys in Cabo and all that stuff was an excuse, because I've seen exactly what he's talking about in the NBA when I covered it prior to the All-Star break, prior to the end of the seasons. Yeah, dudes are distracted, even on really good teams. And yeah. it, you say it's stupid and it's wrong and, oh, that's on the coach. No, it's not. I mean, they're freaking pros, man. You, like, you know, be a pro. It, you know, you know don't, don't get embarrassed by a team that's got a bunch of uh, G-leaguers like they did against the, uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies. But that happens, you know, it's professional sports. Yeah, and there's a lot of do-what-I-want mentality in the yeah. world of basketball, yeah. quite frankly. There, sure. A lot of these players, and no no players in any league are more empowered than, than yeah. NBA players, and no, they no. know it. Exactly. And, again, this team's third right now in the East, so it's not, like, over-over, you know what I mean, uh, for them by any means. But, yeah, they, they need to kind of kick it into gear here when the second half starts for them tomorrow night, but not, but not tonight uh, for them. But tomorrow night they need to start – being the best version of themselves. I would hate it if I was a team like your Celtics, right? Like they're rolling going into the break. They've won like six in a row or whatever, and you got to have all this time off. I mean, it does help when you start with the Bulls on the other side of the break. But, like, if you're one of these teams that's playing well and then take that much time off, you just hope guys don't get too much in, like, the body of vacation mode. Yeah, it's tough. Because you come out of it, I mean, it, like a team like Boston has got, you know, 27 games left. It's always kind of a misconception. Oh, we're we're halfway through the season. No, Boston's played 55 games. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, like no, we're we're literally 
more like three quarters of the way done with you know like a little bit like fifty seven percent of the season's done or whatever. And you have to fight complacency too because yep. you've got the Knicks that are that, that are struggling yep. with injuries and might be fading a bit. You've got the Sixers yep. in the same boat without Embiid. You've got the Bucks who can't figure out who they are. So you you got to fight against the players saying, oh, "Well, we're good here. We're going to yep. just cruise to the one seed. We should have a nice little path." to the finals, and that's the kind of complacency on these best teams that can come back to bite you if you're not careful. Absolutely. All right, we'll get back to the um, NF or the uh, college football story that we were hitting on the top about the playoff expansion for football and where we go from here. Uh, we'll get to that coming up. And, again, Bonnet, we're here till about uh, 624, 625 before we hand it over to the Toyota pregame show with Ted Alexander and Dennis Wolf. Uh, live from Chartway Arena, Scott Jackson show uh, before Old Dominion and App State tonight. Priority on the Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry Kinglaw, injured in an accident. Call 757-INJURED, 757-INJURED. Uh, James Witham's got your sports center. All right, welcome back at Chartway Arena. It's kind of hopping here all of a sudden. Uh, people are rolling through here. ODU App State uh, tonight, bottom of the hour, Toyota pregame show, Ted Alexander and Dennis Wolf. I got kind of breaking news. I don't know if it's considered breaking news, but for me it's breaking news. Because, you know, you know, like there's always these mysteries in life you want answers to at some point, and apparently we're going to get it. Now this Apple TV uh, show, The Dynasty, uh, with the New England Patriots, is about to do such a thing for us. You know, you've always wanted to know, seven years later, why the heck was Malcolm Butler not on the field as Nick Foles is just lighting up the Patriots secondary? Like, what are you thinking, Bill Belichick? I mean, I don't know. Did the guy kick your puppy? I mean, I don't know. Did he <laughs> insult your girlfriend? Did he make a pass at, you know, at Bob Kraft's uh, girlfriend at, at that point? Because I think his wife is already dead. I, I don't know. Like, what happened? So, apparently, we're going to find out. The answer is coming. One of the big takeaways, apparently, from today's uh, conversation that was made with the executive director of this thing on Pro Football Talk's uh, website. They said the guy, uh, Matthew uh, Hamachek, said uh, they are going to have those answers for you. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be an answer. One of the things that obviously makes this compelling, right, is to find out why they didn't do that. Uh, why in the world did we not have this? So, you know, I know a lot of people are more interested in Spygate and Deflategate, but come on. They're not going to put all these former Patriots in a room and ever admit any guilt or anything, right? That's not going to happen. But could somebody just tell us what Malcolm Butler did that was so terrible? Was he drunk at a meeting? I mean, I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of rumors for a while, right? Like he was, he was you know, having personal problems. Whatever it was, we got to find out. I'm going to be even more upset. If it's something stupid. Right, like if it's something really like dumb. If it's really something <laughs> dumb, like he missed curfew yeah. or he wasn't at bed check right, because right. he was checking on, yeah. you know, how his grandma was yeah. doing because she was in the hospital or something. It better not be something dumb. I also don't want it to be something, like, really salacious right. either necessarily. Well, if it was really salacious, I think we'd have known by uh, exactly. But, I mean, what, you know, like, really, like, well, he was, like, ten minutes late, you know, to a meeting or something or, you know, I, I don't know, what, whatever it may be. It's it's got to be like you said. It's got to be something bad, right? Like we, we have to have we have to have something that's bad enough for you to say, "Oh, I can understand why you wouldn't play him." But it, you know, maybe he like couldn't see out of one of his eyes, you know, during the week. I don't know. Maybe maybe he uh, he had uh, some type of paralysis in his feet. You know how like sometimes your feet fall asleep. Maybe he had like a constant needles in his feet feeling, and he couldn't shake it off. I don't know. Constant cramping. I don't know. Maybe he had you know. Maybe he had a really bad gastrointestinal uh, infection. But whatever it was, we need to know why he wasn't on the field because it just seems really, really dumb. It seems really, really dumb. Yeah, I'm going to need this to be a good reason. Yeah. It, it's got to be important because, again, Nick freaking Foles lit you up 
And I, I've never been so angry at a team that wasn't my team for a loss as I am at that Patriots team. Do you know what that robbed us of? That robbed us of the ability as, as you know, Washington fans, New York Giants fans, Cowboys fans have always been able to say to the Eagles, hey, just shut up. You guys have never won a Super Bowl. I don't need to hear from you anymore. I'm well aware. That was the greatest conversation killer with them. I mean, just, just to stop them, right? Like, you're just like, get out of here. You don't even know what it's like to win a Super Bowl. Don't even talk to me. But instead, we have the Philly special. We got a statue of it. We got Nick Foles in our lives. I mean, you, you brunched the guy. Was it Trey Burton, who I'd forgotten about? The tight end, is that his name? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like unbelievable. Although it did give us the ability to say that Tom Brady lost to Nick Foles. That's true. That's so true. So that, that's – I always tell myself that. that That's a little bit of a yeah. needle that you can And use. dopey Eli Manning twice. <laughs> that's, that's I mean, true. goodness sakes, of all the humiliations for poor Tom Brady. But, yeah, you're right. But anyway, the dynasty is going to have the answers to that. I mean, really, I just want to skip ahead when they drop this thing to find out what episode that's in and just, just get to that point. Because I don't know if I can sit through all the other nauseating stuff. No, 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 no. It'll be all over the socials. You're fine. You're absolutely yeah, I don't, fine. I, don't, I mean, look, I'll watch it. But if it's too nauseating, I don't know if I can do it. I'm sure it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be nauseating. Oh, it's going to be. You just need to pre-prepare yourself for that. Now, look, I wasn't a Chicago Bulls fan, but I enjoyed me some Last Dance. I thought that was that was great. See, I, lo- I loved it because I, I, when I was at the age where I, you know you get caught up in all the yeah. the, the the Jordan and the sure. run and all that. So yeah, I got caught up in that, so I enjoyed that. Last thoroughly. dance was was terrific, and I enjoyed the petty Gary Payton uh, back and forth with Michael that Jordan, was great. Uh, which was I don't know if it was really back and forth. It was just Gary Payton being petty and Michael Jordan laughing at it on the iPad. Uh, still one of the great moments in uh, sports documentary history, right? Seven five seven says I remember Butler crying on the bench. It was a game-time decision. Yeah, I mean, again, what did he do? Did he kick Bill's puppy? I mean, what, what did he, you know? Something weird happened. Yeah. That well, much we know. Right. What did he do? Yeah, and he, remember, he played special teams. That's the other part. He was, he was in the games. He played special team snaps. That's true. So they could have even a halftime, right? Even a halftime, you're getting bombarded. You're in this game that is going to be, you know, could go either direction. Like, get this, you know, your defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Dude, we got to try something here. I don't know what, what we're doing. Like, let's get him back on the field. It just doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. That's why it really does need to be. It's very weird. It does need to be something on the, law, on the lines of Aaron Hernandez capital murder charges. <laughs> if, I, if I was a Patriot fan, and I'm not even a Patriot fan, but that's the way I feel. It has to be that serious. Like, he had to have done something that horrible uh, for me to keep him on the bench. And yet again, was it bad enough not to dress him? Yeah. Like, it's okay for you to play yeah. special teams, but it's not okay for you to play any defensive snaps. It doesn't make sense to me. It's, uh, it's next-level bizarre. You're it's right. just crazy. I mean, and there, and there's no way you look at the matchups and go, okay, yeah, this works in our favor, because you're right. Once you're getting lit up, right. at some point at the half, you get to go, okay, you know, we've reconsidered. You need to right. go in. He wasn't on the day, game day inactives. Like, what did they think? They were, like, giving the Eagles something extra to think about. Well, we've got to be careful. Butler, he did pick off Russell Wilson in the end zone on one of these Super Bowls. So we've got we to be looking for Butler at all time. No, they were just like, thank you. Lights, let's light them up, and that's all Nick Foles did. Not to mention a, a borderline Patriots hero because of what yeah. he did against oh. the Seahawks. Oh. And, and you bench him? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, again, Brady doesn't know. That's just wild as Brady's never even talked about. It. He's got his own little podcast now, and he, he loves to, you know, he loves to be passive-aggressive about things. You know, you think he would have lit it up. You think somebody – and that's the other thing that's wild about the Patriot way. I'll give him this. I mean, they, like, brainwash you, right? Like, nobody else has ever talked at a turn 
all those years. And Malcolm Butler's never told anybody. No, but right, I find Bu- that hard to believe. Like he said, in such shame. Like that's why I think he ran over Belichick's puppy or something. I, it must be something that terrible that he doesn't want to get out. But anyway, it's apparently going to get out in the dynasty. We finally found enough money to get it out uh, from somebody. So that's that's good. This thing is going to do very well for Apple TV. Because clearly MLS soccer isn't, so that's good to see. All right, Kyle in Smithfield says, um, this NCAA football game back in the day, in the NCAA football game back in the day, you could realign conferences all you want. Well, can the 12-year-old who is doing it in real life please stop? <laughs> now, that's funny. I didn't realize you could do that. That's that, good stuff. That's good. I'd forgotten all about Don't forget, that. you can move players around too, Kyle, because you're going to need that mode. You're definitely going to need that mode. All right, 757-687-9494, 757-687-9494 if you want to jump on board with us. All right, we'll get a final look at the poll uh, question from the day about the college football playoff expansion uh, coming up on the other side, plus uh, some news and notes, one of which is shocking to me out of Detroit today, who the Lions are bringing back in the fold. I mean, come on, Dan Campbell, what are you doing? We'll get to that next. Scott Jackson Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1, coming to you live from Chartway Arena. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. The Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. It's been a long day and sometimes things fall through the cracks. It's time to figure out what we missed on the Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. All right, we are brought to you by Larry King Law as we dive into some what we missed live here from Chartway Arena. The Detroit Lions are bringing back Michael Badgley, the kicker they didn't trust, James. The guy Why? that they did not trust enough to kick attempt field goals in the postseason with. They brought him back on a one-year deal. I mean, all I can imagine is, okay, he's a he's in the roster. They're going to bring in somebody else to compete with them just in case they can't get somebody else they've got. Badgley, I, I don't get it. I mean, I thought this guy was the most untrusted kicker in, in uh, pro football this year, it felt like. Down feels the like they're drafting a kicker. That's what this feels Maybe like. they are. i got to get to my kicker draft report now. Uh, you got <laughs> me interested when you say that. Um, I don't know, but this was weird. I mean, look, I was all for my man Dan Campbell going for it on those fourth downs, but now I'm going to question his sanity. Uh, now that he's here, bring it back to kicker that he couldn't trust. I Although the way that he runs the ship, does it really matter if they have a kicker? Well, that's true. Maybe that's the other part of this is just that you guys thought he was bad last year and going for it. Uh, wait until you go this year. They will never attempt field goals. He's just there for kickoffs. They're going to go for two every time this yeah. year, too. How about that? Yeah, he's just there for kickoffs. Uh, it looks like, boy, it didn't take long. Jack Collinsworth, the news broke today, the son of Chris, was fired as the play-by-play voice of Notre Dame football at NBC. And... Apparently, they've already found his replacement. They didn't have to look very far. It's longtime broadcaster Dan Hicks, who will be back uh, as the reporter, according to, or the play by play man, according to Andrew Marchand of The Athletic. Hicks has been on the golf coverage forever, I want to say, for NBC. He's been with NBC since 1992, uh, and now he's going to be the lead play by play uh, man for Notre Dame football, in addition to being the lead golf guy since 2000. And Collinsworth, meanwhile, you know, he was working with Jason Garrett this year. I want to—I mean, I'm not kidding you when I say this. He was doing Atlantic 10 basketball like two years ago. Then all of a sudden he was doing Notre Dame football. And I was like, wow, that seems a little fast. It was a leap. It was, it was quite a leap. A leap. It was quite a leap. He was the studio and sideline reporter for Notre Dame starting in 2020. Um, doesn't say what he's going to be due in the uh, near future. But it also looks like that Noah Eagle and Todd Blackage remain the number one um, 
broadcast team outside of Notre Dame games when it comes to NBC, as we saw them do this this past year as well. I believe they did a playoff game. Didn't they do the NFL playoff game as well? I think so, yeah. Uh, when NBC was running out of people to roll out there uh, <laughs> one of those weekends. I don't know. I mean, Al Michaels is always available. You guys can't see to box Al into the prime video anymore. Al hasn't lost his fastball completely. No, he is not. Throw him a break. All right. Um, yeah, Al's hurting for money. Uh, ESPN Radio 941 poll question of the day brought to you by Dominion Floor Coverings. Uh, deals with the college football playoff expansion discussion on the X at Jackson Sports at ESPN Radio 941. You can get it there. How many teams should be in the college football playoff? Uh, they're going to 12 next year, and that's where most of you think they should stay at 57.9% of you, 8% of you, 16, uh, 25.6 of you going there. And only 2.2 like the 14-team idea, which apparently is what they are – pushing towards in 2026 and yeah. a lot of other votes too we've had some people want to go backwards to eight i've seen some wise guys say two uh you know anyway one well, yeah let's go back to the sugar bowl and <laughs> <in> the, ro- <laughs> the rose bowl and you know the cotton bowl yeah and all that's bowl not and happening i don't think no, so kids. no no is it going to make more money for us yes we'll do it if it's going to make less maybe not yeah that's what i think we're going to see moving forward it's any way to make more, not less. Just remember that when it comes to uh, the college football playoff. Now, again, the most interesting part will be, is, is this just more at-large bids, which I suspect it is. You know, so you're talking about the one group of five school, right? And then the power, what we call the power four now. Because now that they're getting bigger, you've got to think that they want more spots for those teams. They, yeah. want, the, they want the second, third, fourth team to have things. And, and, again, what I would push up against that, that I don't like is this bracket idea. I mean, I, I'm not against brackets, so it would make me, you know, un-American. I like brackets, but I just think I don't need to see the rematches, right? Like no. some of these rematch no. deals. Like can we just reseed, like the in this way, you know, like the lower seeds play, the higher seeds, that kind of stuff as we go along? I don't know. This also sets up teams potentially playing each other for a third time. Yes. Because think about it, regular season, yeah. possible conference, conference championships, championships and, we're still and doing then that. again in yeah. the playoffs should it get to that point. Yeah, I'm not really sure we need conference championships anymore, but I'm sure that's not going out of style anytime soon. Those are no, I very large cocktail parties if somebody wants to count on that. All right, so you'd mentioned this story a few times here today. Uh, and, you know, speaking of things we want to get the answers to on our Apple TV special, Isaiah Stewart has been suspended for three games for punching Drew Eubanks to the arena hours before the teams played on February 14th. He was actually arrested by Phoenix police, issued a citation. Misdemeanor charge against Stewart has been dismissed at this point, um, according to prosecutors. But Eubanks said the altercation happened as he entered the arena before the game. The two started arguing before coming chest to chest, and Stewart threw the punch. Security intervened. Eubanks uh, played that night, scored six points, and had eight boards in 18 minutes. Uh, the Pistons, uh, by the way, start their second half tonight in Indiana, obviously without Stewart who has been out anyway with an ankle injury. Look, I don't know what the background story is here, but don't color me surprised if we find out it's something to do with a uh, female acquaintance of both of theirs. Almost guaranteed. (laughs) Almost guaranteed. Or somebody sliding in somebody's DMs of a girlfriend or something like that. I mean, they're like, why else is this happening pregame? Is this this some beef from high school? I mean, I know that Isaiah Stewart went to La Lumiere. I don't know where Eubanks went to high school. But I don't don't think it has anything to do with that. I I don't think it's to do with that. I don't think it's like... Hey, in the last game, man, I thought you screened me too hard. I mean, this has got to be over a woman. Because why else would you throw punches 
Maybe it was <laughs> in the tunnel before a game. NBA 2K rating or well, something. Right, I don't know, man. No, if it's, it's got to be about a woman. It's a beef uh, that be. has to do with with something like that. I mean, there's no way <laughs> it's anything but that. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe cut him off in traffic on the way to the arena. Maybe a little road I, I, rage. I don't stuff. know. Maybe maybe he stepped on his logo <laughs> or something. I have no idea. But this seems just a little too strange, and I'm surprised we haven't gotten the answers to it yet. That's why. Makes me think it was definitely over, um, you know, somebody maybe, uh, you know, trying to date somebody else's girl or something even more serious than that. But anyway, this and the Malcolm Butler thing we need answers to. But we'll get the Malcolm Butler one here soon enough. So I'm excited about that. All right, we got people uh, to mention for tomorrow. We got a big show tomorrow, Friday program. Uh, David Teal from the Richmond Times is going to join us to talk about all things college basketball. The ACC, David's got a story about this today if you want to do some homework. What we'll talk about tomorrow, the ACC uh, is looking at ways to bump up the net. They're a little concerned that they might only get four teams in this tournament. Uh, Tim Murray from Beeson talk all things uh, weekend college basketball from a gambling side of things. Brad Biggs, we've been talking so much about the uh, Chicago Bears and what they may or may not do with one Justin Fields. Brad Biggs, who's been covering all that for the Chicago Tribune, will join us to give us a skinny on what the Bears are going to do. He'll be on in the 5 o'clock hour, and uh, Davey Siegel, Back again this week to talk NASCAR with us from Sirius NASCAR Radio at 6, previewing the Atlanta race this weekend. So all that and more for you here on the program tomorrow in the uh, non-Football Friday edition. But there is still some football in it. Oh, there will be, yeah. Yeah, you know, I've always people like, well, gee, thanks for talking football. I'm like, look, the football is not going anywhere. I mean, we've got the Combine on Monday. I mean, it's like they have – the NFL has manipulated the sports calendar now. And it's only going to get worse when they add the other regular season game or expand the playoffs, whatever they end up doing. They're going to take it. I mean, really, you're going to get maybe two weeks in July at some point in your life, and that's it, back. <laughs> and they're going to have something on the calendar every month for you. Uh, it is a uh, they're, they're in the uh, addiction business. Just let your significant other know now. Yeah, let them know now. All right, thanks to Bill Mann for stopping by. I'm going to go hang out with him for the next few hours and call this basketball game. Matt Present from App State. Uh, James Witham, Scott Jackson saying so long. Thanks to Richie Somerville getting it done back in the studios. Derek here on site with us, our promotions guy who's been a baller all year long for us out here on all these road shows at Chartway Arena. We appreciate him as well. All right, Scott Jackson saying so long till tomorrow at uh, 3 o'clock. We are represented by Larry Kinglaw, injured in an accident. Call 757-INJURED, 757-INJURED. Use the law firm we all trust, Larry Kinglaw. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 3 o'clock here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Have a good night.